Mark chapter 5 is where we'll begin. Jesus is on the way to actually heal someone. He had a healing request. So he's traveling and on the way to uh, attend to this person who needs healing. Uh, and we're going to pick it up here in Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Uh, so Jesus went with this man. They're on the way for this healing to take place. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed against him. Now, don't forget, during this part of Jesus' ministry, and really throughout his whole ministry here on earth, people were divided as to who he was. Was he the Messiah that was promised? Was he indeed the Son of God? And there was a lot of division and a lot of controversy. Some people believed, some people didn't believe. But in this case, notice what happens. Verse 25, as he's traveling through this very thick crowd of people. It says in verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Don't, that's not a teaching against doctors, it's just a telling about her life experience. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him I don't know exactly what that meant in Jesus' case, but as the Son of God, a healing took place unbeknownst to him, and he somehow was able to realize that or sense that. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? It could have been anybody in the room. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and tell, fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now Jesus was not only the Messiah, the Son of God, but he was also looked at as a rabbi in his day. Uh, I want Scott to bring up a picture on the screen here. You know, Jesus did not have some sort of a magic prayer shawl, but this was the kind of shawl that all rabbis wore in Jesus' day. And in, you know, the Holy Land, it's still worn by uh, the Orthodox Jewish teachers. Uh, this woman reached out and touched the corner of his robe. Now you see, uh, this robe was designed in such a way that it had tassels uh, on the four corners of the fabric. And this go, actually goes back to Numbers chapter 15. God told Moses that Jewish men needed to wear tassels on their clothing. And uh, by Jesus' day, it had come to be that religious leaders wore a prayer shawl that had a tassel on each of the four corners. The tassel had a blue cord woven into it. And since Jesus was recognized as a rabbi or a teacher by his followers, he would have worn his prayer shawl whenever he would teach or perform his ministry duties. It would have been an outward sign of his commitment to the word of God. 
So actually, Jesus was the living word of God, and he was wearing a garment that reminded people of their need to obey the word of God. <laughs> How ironic. And wearing the shawl would have also marked him as a teacher who had expertise in interpreting God's law. Now, there was a prophecy about the Messiah, and you can just keep that shawl up for a while. In Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, a prophecy about the coming Messiah says this, Surely the day is coming, <clears throat> it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, but for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. <clears throat> so the coming Messiah was going to have healing in his wings. What, what did that mean? Well, the word for wings in Hebrew is the same word for the corners or the edges of a garment. Same exact Hebrew word. So what this woman thought or anticipated was, if I could just touch this man's garment, or maybe the tassel of it, or just the, the, the corner of it, healing will come to me. There will be healing in his wings, or healing in the corners of his garment. So that's what this woman was thinking. But what she did was she expressed her faith. Here was a crowded room, and she was the only one there. And I'm sure there were several people nearby who had physical problems of one sort or another. But she was the only one who made a Herculean effort to somehow get toward Jesus just so she could touch the corner of his cloak. Because she believed, as the prophecy said, that there would be healing in his wings. And indeed, for her, it came to pass. The teachers of the law didn't think literally that the Messiah would have wings. So what did this prophecy mean about healing in his wings? This woman seemed to get it, to know that a miracle could be provided for her if she just got to Jesus and touched his, his cloak. So she was demonstrating her faith. It was an act of faith on her part. And you know what? God acknowledged it and responded to it. Why was she healed? Because by doing so, she was demonstrating to all the people around her that she believed that Jesus was God's anointed Savior. Amen. Her grasping of the tassel was her faith. And that's why Jesus says, your faith has made you well. So it wasn't just an act, but it was the faith behind the act. Okay, you can take that down now, Scott. I'll turn back to Mark chapter 6. Notice what happened, Mark chapter 6, verse 56. This account goes on, and notice kind of an afterthought here. A lot of people noticed what happened, and noticed that this woman was healed. They knew her, and it says in Mark 6, verse 56, And wherever he, Jesus, went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. So just because this one woman 
She had the faith. She performed an act of faith. People noticed it. People responded to this woman being healed after how many years of, of bleeding. And they said, you know what? I want that to happen to me. So here were all these people lined up wherever Jesus walked, and they wanted to do the same thing now. They wanted to touch his garment so that they could be healed. And God, Jesus didn't say, you know, well, that was a one-time thing. You know, I, I don't have time for all the rest of you people. He responded to that one act of faith, and now these other people are all trying to show their faith. And he doesn't let them down. He heals each and every one of them, no matter what their problem was. So a simple act of faith, that is what God responds to. That is what God appreciates that. And let's bring that down to our individual lives. Can you ever remember performing a simple act of faith that God responded to? I'm sure we all have in one way or another. We had a need, we had a desire, whatever the case may be, and we reached out to God, we put our faith and trust in him, and he didn't let us down. Whether it be healing, whether it be financial stability in our lives, whether it's getting out of debt, whether it's relationship problems, we took it to God, and in an act of faith, we expressed our desire, we expressed our need to him, and he appreciated that act of faith, Amen. that act of belief. God loves it when we put our trust in him. This relationship that we have with him in our life now, this is what it's all about. Our duty is to deepen this relationship we have with God, and God loves that. He loves to, to go deeper with us in our lives. He enjoys it when we rely on him, depend on him, seek our refuge in him. He loves that. It's never that we're bothering God. He has the time for us, and he longs for the time when we come to him. A couple of other examples. We're all familiar with the story of the thief on the cross. Remember uh, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were two uh, criminals, and I'm going to walk over here to my chair and pick up a piece of paper. There were two criminals uh, crucified on either side of him. And uh, let's turn there to uh, Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And we'll see another example of a simple act of faith and what it got the person, how Jesus responded to that. Now, Jesus is suffering greatly on the cross, as are these other two men as well. And we know that one of the men was very antagonistic. He was arrogant. Here he is dying, just as Jesus is dying. But, uh, you know, his bitterness, his resentment is, is just flowing out of him. And he's criticizing Jesus. It says here in Luke 23, verse 39, one of the criminals who was hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. <laughs> so I don't think this man was a believer. I think he was a critic of Jesus. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. 
Wow. How Jesus responds to a simple act of faith. Now, this man didn't demonstrate a whole lot of faith. It was something very simple. He defended Jesus in the face of this wise guy criminal who was, who was just letting a whole bunch of bitterness and anger and hatred flow out of him. This man said, no, we need to fear God. We're being punished justly, but this Jesus didn't do anything to deserve his crucifixion. So this man is demonstrating a belief. He recognizes that Jesus was innocent. He recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that we should fear God and be respectful toward God and not badmouth him. And he has a simple request when you come into your kingdom. So he believed that Jesus was a king and he was going to enter into his kingdom. And when that, when that happens, would you just remember me? You know, he doesn't ask for sitting at your right hand or he doesn't ask for the, a chief crown of some kind or throne to sit on. He just says, just remember me. And Jesus responds with a tremendous promise. And I know that Jesus fulfilled this. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It doesn't take much. God responds to little demonstrations of faith, little acts of faith. You know, there's not a whole lot of faith in this world today. Remember, Jesus at one time said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith? Well, hopefully he's finding it in our lives. One other example in uh, Matthew chapter 8, there was a centurion who demonstrated just a simple act of faith. Matthew 8 and in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, Roman soldier, came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. So notice he addresses Jesus as Lord. So there was some faith there, some, some belief. He recognized Jesus as the Messiah, perhaps as the Son of God. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself have a man, am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So in other words, this man had experience delegating authority, or using his authority to order people around. So he understands what authority is all about, and he believes that Jesus has authority. And he says, you don't even have to travel to my house. All you have to do is say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. He's talking about the Jews. Because this man was a Gentile. He was a Roman soldier. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I've had a three and a half year ministry and I'm still struggling to find faith among the Jewish people. He says the subjects of this kingdom the Jews will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. A simple act of faith, going to God and just saying to God, you know what, Lord, I know that you have my best interest at heart when you're praying for something. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with a health issue or you're struggling with a financial issue or a relationship issue of some kind. And you're, you're praying to God about it. And you say, God, I don't have to explain this to you. I know that you know the situation probably better than I do. Now, I have a request. I have a desire that you answer my prayer in this particular way. But you know what's best for me. Lord, you love me more than I'm capable of loving anybody. So I know no matter what your answer is, it's going to be for the best for me. Even if it comes to the point of this person I'm praying for, that you decide to take their life. You always do what's best. And I know that it's going to work out for the best. Amen. So you see, that's, that's the trust that God loves to see in us. That's what he desires. That we depend on him, we look to him, we find our refuge in him. Don't think that you're, you know, bothering God or taking up too much of his time you're in relationship with him and he desires for that relationship to go deeper so it was Jesus who said if you have faith as small as a mustard seed and I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed but it's real teeny tiny real teeny tiny seed he said if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I don't think that Jesus was literally talking about the need to move a mountain. But isn't just about any trial in our lives like a mountain? I mean, some trials are pretty big, and it, they seem impossible to overcome or to deal with. And yeah, in some cases like that, our faith can move mountains. It can move terrible and tremendous trials in our lives. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So how do you express faith like that? Well, you tell God as you pray, Father, I have faith. I'm putting my trust in you. I know, I know that you want what's best for me, so that's what I ask for and help me to deal with whatever your answer is. And whatever you can do in the meantime to reach out, if it's reaching for God's, uh, Jesus' uh, tassel of his clothing, or if it's expressing your, your certainty in God and that he will hear you and provide an answer for you. Now, we don't dictate to God. We express our desire as to how we would like a prayer answered. But he always knows what's best, just like Jesus did in the garden the night before his crucifixion. He asked if the cup that he was going to have to drink, representing the suffering and everything he was going to have to experience, Jesus said, my desire is that somehow that can be removed and taken away from me. But he said to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Why? Because your will is always better than mine. You know what's best. You love me so deeply, you always want what's best for me. 
And that not may match up with my desires uh, at the present time. But Father, I want to pray that you do what's best for me. Because you're going to do it out of your love. So, faith. Expressing our faith. Demonstrating our faith in God. You know, with different circumstances, it may require different things. We don't always know what's best physically to do. You know, we talked about the widow who physically put her last money into the, into the basket because she depended on God, and it wasn't just something that she wanted to feel deep down inside in her heart, but she wanted to demonstrate it. And she wasn't showing off to anybody. I don't think anybody pretty much noticed who a uh, little widow, how much she was going to give to the temple. Now the rich people, they hired trumpeteers to walk in front of them to draw attention to them as they put their money into the temple basket. But the little widow, probably nobody even noticed her except for Jesus. She demonstrated her faith in a humble way. The rich people didn't. They just wanted to draw attention to themselves and bring praise to themselves. The widow wanted to express her dependence and reliance on God. So we want to express our faith to God every day of our lives. And I think the best way to do it is to just tell him. Lord, we want to express our faith to you today. You are the living son of God, our savior and redeemer. Help us to express our faith in you on a daily basis, during good times and bad. Help us to demonstrate our faith so that others can see, whether it's our children, our mate, our friends at work, our friends at school, our friends at church, not in a self-righteous way, but in a humble yet firm way. Let us be able to demonstrate by how we live who our faith is in. Help us to be living examples of faith in you. And may we never be ashamed that you are our God and we are your people. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.